Hello and welcome to the Grazier's Grapevine, where we hold lively discussions on all things grazing. I'm your host, Jen Albright. This podcast is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Grazing Lands Coalition. Hi, friends. So we are on the second leg of our journey with the lakes, George and Christy Lake of Thistle Creek Farms. In our previous episode, we heard from George about uh, his love, or as he calls it, his romance with farming and how he's instilled that in his kids. And today we are going to hear it from Christy's perspective. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. I have the honor of being here with Christy Lake. She's of Thistle Creek Farms. And so we are here in a Zoom meeting on a Sunday. And we decided not to do the video because then that way uh, no one knows if we're still in our jammies or not. Right, Christy? (laughs) That's exactly it. (laughs) Sounds so me. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, tell me a little bit about your background. Okay. Well, I grew up in a very small town um, and after pursuing what I thought would be my major, I, I took up a double major, actually. Uh, and I went to Millersville State College, which was which is now Millersville University. Oh, wow. um, I had a double major in elementary ed and special education. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and ironically, my future husband was at the same school. That's kind of a funny story. George and I met in high school. I was 14 and he was 16 and we dated a few times, not, not anything that was permanent. Of course, we were way too young, but it was the beginning of a, of a great, uh, relationship. I'm so blessed by that. Anyway, my first job was teaching second grade and that, that took place in the school district where I was raised. I wasn't yet married. Um, but I probably taught three and a half years because it was at about that time that George took a, a, an unexpected adventure and, and announced to me that he wanted to join the Marine Corps. He was going to join the Marine Corps. Um, he was hoping to become a naval flight officer, an aviator. And I was a little bit hesitant because I loved where we lived. We lived in a little log house on, on his family's dairy farm, and George had begun to restore that. And it was an exciting time, and I could not imagine that we were going to turn and make a different choice right at that time. But I will have to say, there was some voice in my head that said, you can't crush someone else's dream. And if you do, you might live a lifetime in regret. So fortunately, for some reason, I was smart enough to say, if that's your dream, I'm willing to go where you go. And honestly, it was the beginning of a great adventure I never foresaw coming. Wow. Um, so as difficult as it was to leave the farm at that time, the Vietnam War was in progress. And that was what his goal turned into. I mean, he was going to go, and if he went, was he going to be able to choose what he might do? And, and fortunately for him, that came to be. Um, so we wow. married, obviously. And then we moved on, and and he was in many different bases in training. But at the end of his training, we were in a place called Beeville, Texas. It was where advanced flight jet training was held, and he was a student. And 
during that time, I pursued a teaching job in that little town of Beeville, Texas, hmm. not too far from Christie. And uh, I taught children who had learning issues, learning uh, difficulties. And they were kind of an amazing bunch of kids. Uh, they were bilingual. Oh, wow. And so I smartly to take a Spanish-speaking class at the local junior college so that I could wade through some of that language barrier. But it was a great year, one that I remember really in a positive way. It, it helped to change me, and I'm hopeful that it helped to change some of them too. Oh, I'm sure it did. So finally then, George did graduate from that and was sent to several different military bases, and we decided we'd start a family. And so Honestly, for the next 11 years, I stayed home with kids, and it wasn't until we returned to the Lake family farm quite a few years later that I taught, first of all, a preschool, a private preschool position, and eventually I landed a grade in the, in the district in um, fifth grade, which was in a school closest to where we lived at the time, and it was perfect because George was still commuting to two other jobs, and I was on my kids' same schedule, so it worked out really well. Okay. I've always been grateful for that. One other thing I tried to do during those years, too, is I taught some professional development to teachers at all grade levels for a time in my home school district. Okay. Oh. And then, so how many kids do you have now? George and I have three children. The oldest is Lara. Uh, our older son is Christopher, and our youngest son is Aaron. And you have so grandbabies too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have four <laughs> grandchildren. The oldest is 15. His name is Noah, and his sister is Olivia. She's 12. They belong to our daughter, Lara, and our son, Chris, and his wife, Lara. So I have two Laras in my life. I <laughs> uh, have two children also. A son, which is uh, the older child, his name is Evan. And his younger sister is Avery. And the four of them are a delight. So Aww. just have to tuck that in. And are they all close by? Yes. In fact, unexpectedly, Laura married what we call the boy next door. His parents own the farm adjacent to ours. Aww. And so they live in a house on that property. And, and now that Noah's old enough, they can actually hop on a four-wheeler or on their Kubota and drive across fields to get to our field. So it's a safe travel. We're, we're really lucky for that. And actually Chris and his wife, Laura, and their two younger kids, they're, uh, let's see, almost nine and seven. They live in the log house where George and I started our married life a long, long time ago. And that's actually the house George grew up in. Oh, wow. until he was probably 12 or so. Yeah. So it's uh -huh. been, twisting and turning houses okay but Aww. they're very close by yes it's unusual in today's world jennifer and we are aware that our friends often remind us of that that we're very fortunate yeah no i i understand that um i don't expect my oldest to stay nearby um the other two i'm not sure well that remains to be seen because they're only five and six so <laughs> yeah so you now, know what? You have to be patient. But you know what, Jennifer? I, I never thought Laura would stay here either because the man she married is a surgeon and he oh. had many opportunities to practice other places. And her plea to him was, Matthew, I would love to go home. I want to work in the veterinary practice where I was a dog walker 
and I want our children to grow up in the environment like I did. And oh. and Matthew lived on a farm. His parents didn't do the actual farming, but he lived on a farm. But Laura was really very much involved in the farming, even from a really early age. And even though she was the girl, she did everything the boys did and sometimes more. <laughs> so anyway, you never know what's coming down the pike. <laughs> to be continued, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be patient. It'll it'll work its way out one way or the other. So so now did you were you teaching up until retirement or I'll let George tell the story of how you ended up back on the family farm. But um, did you at some point have to decide that you were not going to teach anymore to be on the farm or did you teach through till retirement? I taught to retirement, Jennifer, because I had years long. I mean, I had the age, pardon my, my correction. I had the age long before I had the number of years to retire Oh, okay. um, because I stayed home a long time. And it was a, it was a good time spent. It was what was meant and needed to be for uh-huh. our family at the time. So I continued and finished. I taught to, a total of 31 years. One of those was in Texas. Oh, wow. But it worked out well. I mean, it was a very busy time, especially when George was gone. But our kids had a lot of responsibility because of that right off the bat. And how did you foster, how did you foster that in them? I know for me, my middle child, when we tell her we're heading to the farm to do work, she, I get the, (laughs) did you ever have to worry about that? You know what, Jen, George's rationale with our kids right from the very beginning was always the same. He said to me, Christy, I don't want them to come home here and feel like they're just going to sit back and be TV watchers. Uh He said, there won't be that problem because I expect them to earn their way. And I want them to learn a work ethic that will carry them through life. And, you know, he was the prime example of that, I have to say. He yeah. developed a work ethic when he was so young in the um, womb, huh? and it carried him through all of life. Didn't matter what job he was doing, that work ethic carried him. So it was his hard, fast attitude. And once I joined that thought with him, I began to see that for some kids, it's easier than others. But oddly enough, even those that may not want to get with the program right away, eventually fall into step. And it doesn't mean it's going to be a career for the rest of life. It's learning a work ethic that can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can, oh. you can tie that to any profession. I think so. Yeah, definitely. In fact, George has always said to me in the Marine Corps, they would look for uh, farm boys because they came with some kind of an equipment for work in their brains and they weren't as, as challenging to put into the, to the uh, training that the Marine Corps offered. So it's kind of interesting. And, and I've seen it. I mean, our three kids all have their own professions, Yeah. but they learned a lot at home. The youngest, especially because he thought he was going to be so happy when the other two were gone. <laughs> I'll never forget <laughs> when he said to me, mom, I forgot I was going to be the only worker. and really one time I can remember George was on a deployment somewhere and we had an ice storm in the dead of winter and there was just the two of us here and he and I were trying to thaw gates so that we could open the gates for our animals to get water at the creek because it was so bitterly cold 
And I could see his frustration, never forget it. And I looked at him and I said, you know, right now you're hating every second of this and you have a lot of responsibility. You're going to have to chop ice at the creek. Someday, not today, someday, you'll understand why your dad thought this was the way to go. (laughs) And I want to tell you this, hear me. When he got into his 30s, he called me one day. Into his 30s, that's the key. Mom, remember that day when you told me I'd someday understand? I'm starting to understand the wisdom in that. So it doesn't happen overnight. (laughs) It's amazing how long you might wait, but if you enforce what you think is best, I think in the end, somehow, it comes out on top. So I just want to be an encourager when I say that. That's certainly encouraging because I know that for me, mom guilt takes over sometimes. Um, and it sounds like you responded with such a calm when, (laughs) when you knew he was upset. Oh, yeah. I tried, Jennifer. I could see the look. It was freezing cold. I was cold. But the lesson was a lifelong lesson. And and sometimes as parents, we think, oh, I'll know tomorrow that he feels better. But it took a long time. But his respect of what those animals needed, I, I reminded him, dad is too far away. If these animals are going to survive, it's because you make a sacrifice. Um, so it was an interesting lesson and, and I'll never forget it because I won't forget the follow-up and how long it took, but what a feeling it gave me, Jennifer, oh, that, yeah. you know, sometimes when you determine it in the beginning and you stick with it, um, it, it somehow works its way through. And I, I was just elated when I heard his words, he said, people will say, well, do you know how to get this such and such pipe off? And he'll say, He would say to me, I remember dad taught me that, mom. There were so many practical things that he learned that would be useful other places, just in everyday life. Uh, So be encouraged. Okay. I already do feel just in this little bit of conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So now, and it seems too like the interest and love of the farm and hard work based on what I see on, you know, your Facebook and Instagram, it looks like it's been passed on to your grandkids also. Well, you know, I think in many ways, our kids are certainly part of the responsibility for that because they want them to be involved. They want them to be active outside That's one of the things that George taught our kids. TV was so unimportant here. And I remember saying once when he was away, I said, you know what? If TV is going to take up this much time, it's going to be easier for me to lift the window. And this sounds extreme and (laughs) drop the TV out the window. But TV is so not a focus. Uh, We wanted our kids to learn to play as well as work. But we wanted that to happen with creative ideas, being outside, uh, learning about Nature naturally, you know, they're surrounded by it. Go out and build a fort or go down and learn to wade in the creek. I mean, we bought them baby ducks and they swam with them in our creek. There were (laughs) lots of fun times uh, in in that way. But we tried to set it up in a way that we were active. In fact, George was a runner, a tremendous runner. And when they were young, it wasn't an unreasonable thing. We took them to fun family runs, which might have been I don't know, a mile or, or two miles. 
and they could run as little or as much as they wanted. And honestly, this is the funny part. When they started to get a little bit older, I'll never forget. These were my words. Now, don't think I'm going to get held up in the run. You know where you can wait because you see all of these people and it's a straight end to where the finish line is. (laughs) Jennifer, (laughs) they inherited George's running jeans, which I don't have. They swept by me and I never saw anything but their backs again. (laughs) (laughs) But there were fun, active things that we did as a family, you know, things that took us outside, whether it was sledding or snowmobiling in the winter or skiing or uh, swimming in the creek in the summer or going on a, a canoe or a kayak trip with our kids, trying to give them an outdoor life. And I have to tell you, they're doing that for their kids. So I feel good about it. Oh, good. And so it sounds to me too, like your, um, your profession and your um, education in child development and child education, you were kind of able to use that as a way to keep the kids interested on the farm. And I I like to think that anyway, Jen. (laughs) And honestly, George is very, he was always playful. He never lost being kid-like. He's still kid-like with our grandkids. So I would have to give him a great deal of credit in that. I mean, he would be the one that they would want to play hide-and-seek with. Um, On one event, I know he came was coming home from the squadron that he was the CO of outside of Philadelphia for a while. and, and, And he called ahead and he said, Christy, tell the kids, I want them to have all the lights off in the house and tell them to hide in the most exciting and the most difficult place on the first floor that they can find. And I guarantee I'm going to find every one of them. So the (laughs) kids got all excited and thought that was crazy. So they got themselves hidden away really well and there weren't allowed to be any lights on. And they thought, oh, he'll never find me. But what we didn't know was that he brought home what was a brand new piece of gear at that time called night vision goggles. And he came into the house and he put on his night vision goggles and the kids are all huddled away. Sure, they were going to fool him. And he had them all found in minutes. They never heard of night vision goggles, nor did I. And we talk about that and laugh about it still. What in the world are night vision goggles? It's such a standard thing now, used both in the air and on the ground in the military. But Uh at that time, it was brand new. So he is the guy who scared them on Halloween and chased them around the house like he was a headless horseman. I could tell you a hundred stories. <laughs> well, it sounds like so he was a workaholic think- driver, but he was also a fun, fun dad. Oh, so you guys, it sounds like you guys make a great team. I hope so. We've been happy, Jennifer. It's been 51 years now. What's your secret? Oh, what's our secret? My gosh, there's a good question. I don't know if there's a secret except you make a determination and if need be, you start over again and and there's no other option in my brain. So, and that, and I've been greatly blessed, greatly blessed. Somehow it's worked, Jennifer. We were fortunate. Yeah. You don't hear that much anymore, unfortunately. You know, and, and I think people give up. And it's not for me to say, I can't judge anybody else's situation. It's not what I'm meant to do. But I think you get highs and lows. And you just, when you expect and understand that that can happen, you start over again and over again. 
and yeah. understand that it's worth the investment. And for children in particular, I think there's so much value in having two parents. He gave our kids what I couldn't give, and I think vice versa. Yeah. So to to tie into the team aspect, so now you're both home, you're both on the farm. How do you guys determine who tackles what tasks? Do you each have your own set of responsibilities or um, how, how do you do that? You know what? This is the one easy task, <laughs> easy question <laughs> in my mind, because there's no doubt about it. You know, George is the expert here on uh-huh. soil health and conservation and figuring which crops are going to be chosen for a given year and where those will be planted and what it'll look like in a subsequent year. Uh, he speaks what he knows from his passion and the learning that he's invested in all this agricultural life of his. Uh, so many years he's invested in agriculture. Um, he does establish the contacts with businesses, uh, and, and that would be like restaurants or CSAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll take care of that end of the business, and, and he's very good at what he does. But I, I always claim, and I, I know it's to be true, he, he's the heart and the soul of Thistle Creek Farms. Mm-hmm. Now, I do have my own stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm in charge of our individual private customers and beef sales. And, and that's been fun for me because I've met so many people. Um, let's see. I, I also respond to emails and I talk on the telephone because we get people who call the place orders or maybe they want to request a tour or maybe they just have basic questions, you know, that I can answer. If they're basic, I answer. Otherwise, I have George get back to them if they want something specific because farmers will call and have specific concerns. And I don't, I don't pretend to be able to answer all of that for sure. And then I do the, the everyday stuff like farm bills, George, every time he's been asked to speak and, and I'm never disappointed. It's not, it's just meaningful. So it's never boring yeah. for me. I learn something every time I go to a conference, you know, from him or from some other speakers. So I'm really blessed that I get to go on that. I wanted to mention that because it's so worthwhile. You know that. You've done that, Jen. I have, yeah. In fact, I got to hear George speak at the um, grazing conference out in Reno. I think that was oh, that two, was such three a fun years time. ago. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it goes by so fast, learned, but you know what? There were so many great people there, Jennifer, from everywhere, every which where. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's an opportunity for me to learn. You know, you can pick where you go, and you're right, we got to hear George, and I'm always hearing him, but I'm, I'm always learning something new. You yeah. know, so if I can answer any questions, it's because I've listened to him so many times. Uh-huh. So... Are there any words of wisdom that you'd like to share on working closely with your spouse and your children on a farm, along with the other many hats that we as women wear? Uh, Yes. Uh, I think it'll, it'll be brief, but (laughs) uh, let me think here. You know what? 
I think I want to reflect back on the fact that I'm proud of the years that I had in my teaching career. And, and I realized all that time that parents of all those kids were placing their trust in me to, to maybe in some way influence their kids, either at that time in behavior or in some future way, maybe with what they pursued to study. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I loved that time of my life. I loved that job. I, I really feel like I was called to do that job. But one thing I want to remember, and, and I remember this struck me so much when I was leaving teaching, retirement reminded me that very quickly someone else would fill my shoes in that job. And that's a reality probably for any job, no matter how important your job is mm-hmm. or how good you are at that job. But, but my parting comment would be a personal reflection. Um, how can I put it? It's It's like the investment that we make in family and farms will have an everlasting consequence. Mm. Um, And in some way we hope we'll leave a mark on those who follow us, whether it's those in our family or those who follow us on our, on our farm. Um, It's a little bit different slant. I think of, of putting a view into what family farm life really can mean. We're like uh, the, George and I are the third generation. Our grandkids are the fifth. You get connected to a land and what you do there, and you hope that someone else will do it as well. Yeah. Wow. I hadn't thought of it that way. Well, just a little reflection of my own, um, and it is different. Doesn't no, mean it's not important what you've done in a profession. You know what I mean? Sure. Off the farm jobs are important too. Yeah, I know. Anyway. When I left, when I decided to leave my career to stay home with the children and the and be on the farm, I was like, "Who am I now?" And that was probably <laughs> that was probably five years ago now, and I only recently started to. Um, realize my importance on being here so to hear you say oh, I think there's so much value Jennifer so much value yeah and and to hear you put it that way makes it it solidifies it for me so well that's interesting to hear yeah. I think we all live it out in a different way but when you can look back over your shoulder and and all of that time has passed Sometimes issues that weren't clear before become more clear. Yeah. Um, so thanks for letting me know that because I think women have great value at home. They have great value on the family farm. And I've watched your Instagram. I've seen things that you do cooperating with each other and even your little kids were helping you. Um, mm. There's so much value in that. You're giving them. You're giving them something that, maybe you won't recognize until later and you'll see how they carry that into the rest of their lives. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Do you have, uh, you're welcome. Do you have any, any other tidbits for the the good of the cause before I let you go? (laughs) No, I think I've given enough tidbits, but thank (laughs) you for asking me, Jennifer. Thank you for giving me the time to speak. Horace, thanks for taking the time out of your Sunday to speak with me. It was my pleasure.